0: Hey, growing up, I was surrounded by marijuana. I really was. My parents smoked it my sister smoked it. All my friends smoked it. I was basically the only one in my whole friend and family circle that did not participate or smoke or eat or whatever marijuana. I was a kid of the 80s in Southern California. And so I grew up with Nancy Reagan's Just Say No campaign, right? And so for years and years and years, that's what I did. I just said no. Anytime I hung out with people and they were getting high, I was always like, no, nah, that's not me me that's you guys you do your thing and and my motivation in that was i had seen drug use really wreck my family and wreck the lives of people around me and so i thought you know i don't even want to go down this path i don't want to deal with that at all and so i always said no when it was offered to me till i was 16 then when i was 16 i went to a party and had a conversation with a good friend and he gave me this whole line you'll know exactly what i'm talking about he's like dude you ain't got no job You ain't got to go to school tomorrow. You ain't got nothing to do. You might as well. And I thought to myself, yeah, I might as well. And so at 16 years old, I smoked pot for the very, very first time. And I loved it. I had an absolute blast. It was awesome. I mean, I had a great night with my friends. I loved it so much that for the next month, every single day, all I did was try to find somebody else that I could go get high with. That was it. That was my life. It consumed me. That's all I was interested in from that day forward. And I had a lot of very generous friends, or at least they were happy the straight-laced kid was finally going rogue and breaking bad. And so they were like, yeah, jump in on this, you know? So I did. And one day I remember about a month, maybe five weeks after that first night, I remember I was with some friends, and I hope you'll forgive me for just being direct and blunt here, but I was smoking a bowl with them. And to be honest with you, it was total bunk weed, like sticks and stems and not really good at all. And so I was sitting there expecting to get the same feeling that I had had multiple other times. Because for me, this was really an escape. It was a way for me to get away from the problems in my home and the stress that I felt and lack of self-esteem and understanding about what my life was all about. And so I was expecting, at least for a little while, to feel good. And I didn't. And I was so mad afterwards. I remember this very vividly because it became one of the pivotal moments in my life. I was so mad that they had offered me this trash bag that I started thinking to myself, okay, here's what I need to do. I need to quit bumming off of other people and I need to go get my own supply. That's what I need to do. But I'm a broke trailer park kid, you guys. I have no money whatsoever. And so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to get some cash. And so immediately my mind started going to some really dark places about some ways that I could get some money so I could go get my own supply. All of them were immoral. Most of them were illegal. Illegal. Now, the good news is, before I ever did anything real stupid, I had an epiphany. Like, I had this moment of total clarity. I've never had an out-of-body experience or anything like that. But this is as close as I can possibly describe it. I had this moment where I saw who I was, who I was becoming, and I hated it. In a short period of time, my life had been consumed with pot. And it scared me so much that I was gonna end up like all these other people in my life who, who had devastation and heartache and heartbreak because of the drugs and alcohol and different things that they were into that I put it down and never went back. It scared me that much. And I think to myself now, like, dude, that was just pot. Can you imagine if you had started with crystal meth or something? Like you would have been in jail for sure. There is no way I would have survived. But I was so scared in that moment that I put it down and walked away because I saw where it was taking me. Now, here's the thing, okay? When this happened in my life, I was still lost, I was confused, I didn't know what to do, where to go, this was the one outlet that I had, and I just wasn't sure what to do. No lie, two weeks after I had this kind of pivotal moment where I scared myself and then walked away, two weeks later, somebody invited me to go to church for the very first time. And I can tell you for sure, that if I had still been smoking when I got that invitation to church, I would have been like, I promise you no Sunday service is as good as this, okay? I'm not going. And I can tell you honestly, if I hadn't gone through this episode in my life where I made some really bad decisions and scared myself straight, I guess, um, I wouldn't have decided to go to church either. It was like this catalyst for a moment in which I needed to address some things in my own life. So when I like to mess with people, I tell them, Pop brought me to Jesus. I mean, that's just kind of how I describe it. It's a joke, guys. If you're very conservative, calm down. I'm just kidding with all of this, okay? In seven weeks... Our country is legalizing recreational marijuana. You guys know that. It's been all over the news. Every time you open a newspaper, there's another article about it. I was just reading an article uh, this past week. I didn't even know it was in there. I happened to go to Good Earth to get a cup of coffee and I saw a newspaper laying on the table. It was opened to an article about the legalization of marijuana. And the funny thing was, it was like, we don't need to worry about our kids. We need to worry about our senior citizens. They're the ones who we've got to have conversations with. It was just this crazy article. You know, everybody's talking about it. And in fact, I've had multiple conversations with people in this auditorium in which they're like, hey, what should we do as Christians? How should we respond to this cultural moment? What should we say and how should we handle it? And, and honestly, I get asked the question quite often, is there ever a time or circumstance in which it would be okay for a follower of Jesus to partake, to, to eat an edible or to smoke a joint or something like that? Is there ever a time when that's okay? Now, for many of you, you've already got a definitive answer in your mind. For some of you, you're like, it's a hard no. If you're a follower of Jesus, no way, no how, in no shape or form ever And for some of you, it's like an enthusiastic, yes, you're like, I'm crossing off the days on my calendar, you guys, until October 17th, I cannot wait. But there are a lot of you that are in the middle and you're wondering, you're genuinely curious, A, what does the Bible say about this? And as a follower of Jesus, somebody who takes their faith seriously, how should I approach this issue or others that are like it? In the conversations I've had, they've often gone like this. The person that I'm talking to says, look, Dan, I'm a mature adult. I pay my bills and my taxes. I take good care of my kids. I mean, I do everything I'm supposed to do as a good, honest, hardworking citizen. And now that it's legal, I don't really, or it's going to be legal. Don't do anything yet. Um, Now that it's going to be legal, I'm just not sure I see the problem with sending the kids to grandma's house for the night And, you know, my wife and I, or my husband and I, just having a little fun at the house by ourselves. So it's honest questions. People who genuinely want to know, what would the Bible say about a circumstance like that? Because as Christians, we believe the Bible is actually a true and trustworthy guide for life, don't we? Like I've seen time and time again, this book that was written thousands of years ago address situations in my own life that I'm like, how did they know How did it give me an answer that spoke so clearly and convincingly to this situation that I'm in in 2018? And so there are a lot of you guys this morning, you have real questions and you want to know. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're just gonna ask, what does the Bible say about this? We're going to let the scripture speak for itself. We're not gonna assume it would be a hard no or an enthusiastic yes. We're going to ask some simple questions, some honest questions, and then let the Bible say what it's gonna say. So we're calling this a Christian guide to vices. That's what we're calling this message this morning. And as you'll see here, I mean, this is a little tongue in cheek, you guys, okay? I mean, like, I'm not... I'm not advocating that you run out and participate in a bunch of different vices, but let's just be honest. Let's ask some real questions and see what the scripture has to say. We're not going to settle for simple or shallow answers, okay? It's not going to be like, here's the Christian guide to vices, don't. And then we pray and go home, okay? We're going to look at the nuance of scripture because believe it or not, there is some nuance around these issues, okay? I do think there's a solid answer where we'll land on this this morning, but we're going to give you kind of the Christian guide to vices. Now, I'm not going to discuss whether or not I think it's a good thing that pot is legalized across the board in our country. A, because the Bible doesn't really address that issue and B, because I think like there are probably some decent good things that'll come out of it. There are probably some not so good things that'll come out of it. It's not gonna be black and white, all good or all bad. There's gonna be a mix of both. So we're not gonna address that general cultural, should we have decided to do this as a country Instead, we're simply going to ask the question, should you, as a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, should you participate when it becomes legal? Now, that also means that my um, talk this morning is geared towards those of you who are believers, followers of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you don't know where you stand and you're just checking things out, you're trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, then I'll tell you there are some things that I'll say directly to Christians that you can take as good wisdom. I think this is helpful advice, things you need to think through, but understand I'm not here to legislate morality in your life. I'm not here to tell you what you have to do, give you a bunch of rules to follow. That's not what God's about. It's not what I'm about. I'm gonna be speaking to Christians this morning. And I'll say, although we're going to use this legalization of marijuana as a jumping off point in our discussion this morning, in fact, I'm going to give you a framework that will allow you to address nearly every question you might have as a follower of Jesus in the realm of, could I do this? And should I do this? I'm going to give you a framework that no matter what you're curious about, no matter what you're wondering about, if you'll ask, uh, ask yourself these three questions, you'll be able to answer nearly any issue that you might want to know about. So for instance, these same three questions will give you a solid way to process through what the Bible says about alcohol, and whether as a Christian, you should drink. It'll give you a framework to work through stuff like cigars and cigarettes. Is it appropriate? Is it right? Is it wrong for a Christian to smoke at any? Point in their life, um, it'll help you to answer questions about eating, like at what point does it become gluttony and I've gone too far. It'll help you to deal with the weirdest questions you have. In fact, <laughs> the weirdest question I ever got as a pastor, I used this exact framework because when I got asked this question, I was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. and then this framework, these three questions popped into my mind. By the way, the question was, should Christians ever get breast implants? I was not prepared for that, um, but this exact. Set of questions gave me a framework to give them an answer. And so this morning, I wanna share it with you, okay? In order to do that, we're gonna read a passage to start here. It's from the book of Ephesians, chapter number five. And we're gonna read this and several other passages this morning. You can follow along there here on the screen. Ephesians five, this is what the scripture says to Christians. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life that is filled with love, Following the example of Christ, he loved us and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, which was a pleasing thing to God. Let there be no immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Verse 6 says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Again, this is speaking to Christians, okay? In verse 15, the scripture says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will lead to very bad choices. Instead, the scripture says, you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're listening closely, your first reaction might be to say, Hey, Dan, that set of verses didn't say anything about marijuana. And you're right, it didn't. That's because the Bible is not written like an encyclopedia. When most people pick up the Bible, they're like, hmm, I wonder what the Bible says about marijuana. And so they'll try to flip to the M section so they can look up marijuana and money and whatever else. And that's not the way the scripture is written. It's not an encyclopedia, it's an ongoing story about how God has related to people at different times in different cultures throughout history. And so you're not gonna be able to turn to one passage and find everything the scripture has to say on this subject or any other. In fact, you have to start reading through the Bible and get a consistent picture of how scripture addresses, whether it does address and how it addresses any topic you might be curious about. So that's true of marijuana. It's true of alcohol. It's true of Game of Thrones. Like whatever you want to know, what does the Bible say about this? You're not going to be able to turn to one verse and get the definitive answer. You're going to have to look at the totality of what the Bible has to say on the subject. Now, At various points throughout the scripture, there are three questions that the Bible presents that Christians should ask, okay? Here are the three questions. This is the framework that will help you determine the answer to anything you want to know, like could I or should I as a follower of Jesus? There are these three. First, is it scriptural? Second, is it helpful? And third, is it enslaving? So as you read throughout the scripture, you'll find these three questions or some variation of them asked Time and time again. Is it scriptural? Is it helpful? And is it enslaving? So, we're going to use this framework and some Bible verses that answer these questions to decide whether or not marijuana would be something that would be okay for you to participate in if you wanted to. But again, you can take this in any direction about any vice or thing that you might want to know in the world. So, as Christians, our first question should always be Is it scriptural? Because again, we take the scripture seriously, we believe the Bible is is helpful and good when it's put into practice in our lives and in our world. So is marijuana scriptural? What does the Bible have to say about pot? Do you know? Nothing. Believe it or not, it's never mentioned in the Bible. The word marijuana never comes up. There are no like any other you know oblique references as far as we know to marijuana. It is just never brought up. There are no direct teachings in the scripture on the subject of pot. No matter how hard you search, you will never find a Bible verse that says, thou shalt not blaze the ganja. It's not in there. It is nowhere to be found. I've read the thing cover to cover. I was trying to find a verse and it doesn't exist. There is nothing in the scripture about it. Now that's different from what my doobie doobie pothead Stoner friends used to tell me when I was growing up because they used to quote Genesis 129 to me and they're like bro did you know the bible says can we put that verse on the screen they're like bro do you know the bible says god told Adam and Eve look i've given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your foot, for your food and they're like bro <laughs> it's from the earth and it's good, it's from God, it's his gift, man. That's what I heard growing up, and that's what I thought it meant. Now that I'm a pastor, I know that that verse has nothing at all to do with marijuana. Even if it did, it talks about these seed-bearing plants being food, so apparently God's only cool with edibles. I don't know, but I don't think that verse has anything to do with marijuana whatsoever, okay? That's taken out of context. So in reality, there's nothing in the Bible that speaks directly on the subject of marijuana. There is no like, yeah, it's cool if you're a follower of Jesus or no, you better not ever. It just, it's not in there. So you might be thinking to yourself, cool, the Bible doesn't explicitly forbid it, so it must be okay, right? Hold your horses, okay? Because the Bible teaches in, in two ways. We call them precepts and principles. And this is really important. This is important Bible study information. If you want to read the scripture, if you want to make sense out of it, then you need to know that at times the Bible teaches in precepts and at times the Bible teaches in principles. So what's a precept? A precept is a direct rule or command. It is clear, unambiguous, and it deals with a specific issue or situation or sin. The Bible also teaches in principles, and these are general pieces of wisdom that will apply to many different situations. And so there may be precepts that are addressed without principles, or there may be principles that are addressed, but there are no precepts, okay? To illustrate what those two things are, in my neighborhood, in Evanston, Calgary, we have a couple of different signs on my road. The first sign says 40 kilometers an hour, speed limit. That's a precept. It's a hard rule. You can't argue with it. It's defined. There's also a sign on my road that says, slow, drive carefully, children at play. And that's a principle because it doesn't tell you what driving carefully means. You have to work that out in light of the fact that there are children around. So the Bible gives us these precepts, these hard rules, and then it gives us principles. And when you study the scripture cover to cover, you find that there are no precepts about marijuana. There's no direct teaching on the subject. However, as you can probably imagine, there are lots of principles in the Bible that would apply to whether or not a Christian should partake in marijuana. And most of those revolve around the Bible's conversation regarding alcohol. Okay, so we're gonna take some of the things that we see in scripture regarding alcohol, these principles and precepts and see how would they apply to marijuana? Would they in some way relate or is it two totally separate things? And again, guys, we're asking honest questions. We wanna see what does the Bible say in all of this? So when we look at marijuana versus alcohol in scripture, I don't have time to go through the whole Bible, thankfully, um, to talk to you about like every time alcohol's mentioned and what the Bible says here and there and all that. I'm going to summarize it best I can. Um, As a pastor, here's what I believe after my study of the scripture. You can disagree and it's totally fine, but I'm just telling you what I see. I think that the Bible presents alcohol as um, something that would be okay in moderation for a Christian. I believe personally that drinking would be okay as long as you didn't get drunk. So the scriptures are incredibly clear that drunkenness would be sinful for a Christian and just real foolish for everybody, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. It's just not the brightest thing in the world, okay? So the scripture says alcohol would be okay, drunkenness wouldn't. I would say there's room for drinking, um, whether it's moderately and socially, and we can have conversations about some boundaries that you should have in your life regarding that. But I think there's room in the Christian life for drinking in moderation, as long as you're not getting wasted. There's no room, if you're a follower of Jesus, for intoxication. That's the teaching of the scripture. And I'll just give you two quick references to kind of help you to understand that. We already read one of them, Ephesians chapter number five, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine. It doesn't say don't drink wine. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will lead to making very poor choices, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Proverbs chapter number 20. So we'll go Old Testament on you for a sec. The scripture says, too much wine produces mockers. People who just never stop talking, run in their mouth and get themselves in trouble. You know some of them. And it says, excess alcohol leads to brawls. You know some of them too. Those who are led astray by drink cannot be wise. So this is kind of a consistent teaching throughout the scripture. You'll find that alcohol is presented as a potentially positive thing, as long as it's not abused, and drunkenness is always presented as a bad thing from start to finish, okay? So if we're kind of looking at those precepts and principles, and we ask the question about marijuana, where does that land? I mean, is marijuana scriptural if we're looking at precepts and principles on related subjects? So there are no precepts about marijuana, but there are principles about intoxication. Again, I think that there are ways that you could drink beer or wine or bourbon and not overindulge and not get totally hammered and not wake up in some strange bed with a ton of regret. There are ways that you can enjoy alcohol without being intoxicated. Intoxicated. But the whole point of smoking dope is to get high. That's why we do it in most cases. And so, if the scripture doesn't speak to marijuana, but it speaks to how intoxication is incompatible with following Jesus, then we can draw some conclusions that it's probably something we should be very cautious about. It's something that we, we need to consider seriously what the scripture has to say on this subject. Now, listen. Some of you guys are arguing with me in your head already and you're like, Dan, you don't know what you're talking about because marijuana is way safer than alcohol. Do you know how many people die because of alcohol poisoning and drunk driving and all? You're right. In general, I agree with you that marijuana is safer than alcohol. I genuinely believe that. However, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, it is really tough to get around this clear and consistent teaching in the scripture that intoxication is incompatible with following Jesus. So is marijuana scriptural? Well, it doesn't speak directly to it, but it does speak to the effects. So if you can smoke and not get high, then maybe there's room for it. But what's the point, right? That's what made me mad as a teenager. Is it scriptural? Uh, Probably not. Is it helpful? This is an important question because in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, there's this guy who's known as the apostle Paul. He was a church planter. That means he started new churches and he had started this church in the ancient city of Corinth a few years earlier. And so in 1 Corinthians, he's writing them a letter. And the reason he's writing them a letter is because in the years that, since he left the church, they have gone totally off the rails. Like <clears throat> this church was involved in all sorts of crazy stuff, you guys. Like the Bible tells us that they were totally drunk all the time at church, at church. And so he writes them a letter. Not only that, but there was a ton of adultery going on in the congregation. Hopefully not while they were at church. The Bible doesn't specify. But he writes in this letter and he says to them, guys, what are you doing? This is not what I taught you. This isn't what it means to follow Jesus. Why are you living like this? And so they answer him and they're like, but Paul, they make this really weird argument here. They're like, Paul, didn't you tell us that God is love? And we're not under the Old Testament laws anymore. Now we're under God's grace. And so, you know, he's gonna forgive us anyway. Everything is permissible. I can do whatever I want because God loves me. And he's gonna be like, nah, no big deal. I forgive you anyway. So in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul writes them an answer. He replies to him and he says this, you guys are saying I'm allowed to do everything or anything. But he points out, not everything is good for you. You say everything is permissible but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned only for your own good, but also be concerned for the good of others. So he phrases, he surfaces the second question that we should be asking. Is it beneficial? Is it helpful? See, asking the question, is it right or wrong? Is it sinful or not sinful? That's a good first question. But if you're a follower of Jesus, it should not be the only question that you ask. See, an immature believer simply says, could I? And then fills in the blank. But a mature believer goes a step beyond. They raise the stakes in the conversation. And they say, regardless of whether I could, let me ask whether I should. See, when you start to ask that question, then you're asking a deeper one. You're getting to some, some issues that are not brought up simply by saying, well, does the Bible say thumbs up or thumbs down? So let me ask the question here, is marijuana helpful? And the answer is yes. You might be surprised to hear that. It is quite helpful. Marijuana has very clear medicinal value there's no doubt at all that it helps people who are struggling with certain issues and conditions. If you've got chronic pain, if you've got anxiety, if you've got glaucoma, that was the old one. You know, it's like, oh, I use it for my glaucoma. Um, <clears throat> if you've got lack of appetite or some forms of epilepsy, I mean, marijuana has been, um, it has been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like scientifically proven to be beneficial to people with certain issues and maladies. In fact, there are some of you guys in the room this morning, and you rely on medical cannabis to treat the issues that are going on in your body. And as far as I'm concerned as a pastor, it's really like any other medicine. I mean, it's got side effects and issues, and you need to decide whether or not it's right for you and all those different things. But I mean, like, if you're using it and you've had it prescribed to you by a doctor, then I think, yes, it can be extremely helpful. Like any medicine, it can be abused, right? We can use it and justify its use for things that other medications might be a much better treatment for. Like legit, I know some people who are like, got stung by a wasp, I better go smoke up so I get rid of the pain, you know? I mean, that's not really a medical use, but there are medical circumstances in which it would be justifiable. I'll also say, and I don't mean to step on any toes. If you disagree, cool, we can have a convo about it. But like um, the the compounds inside of marijuana that are most effective at reducing pain or inflammation or anxiety or any number of other things are, are typically CBD compounds, right? So THC is what, puts the icky and the sticky, it's what gets you high. There are isolated compounds that are not psychoactive, but do have a medical effect. And so if you're a Christian and you're like, man, I really think this could be helpful, but I'm really concerned because I don't wanna walk around stoned all day. I've got kids to care for, I got a job and all that. There are ways that you could utilize this potential resource, if it's right for you, according to your doctor, that don't require you to get stoned and blitzed out of your mind every day, okay? So if you guys are using it medically, then I think the answer is yes, it can be extremely helpful for you. We're not talking medical usage today, are we? We're talking recreational use. And when you ask recreationally, is it helpful? I think you have a much harder time arguing that it's beneficial in any serious way. Now, again, I'm not asking if it's fun or enjoyable. It is. People wouldn't do it if it wasn't, okay? It's definitely fun and enjoyable. Is it beneficial Does it help you to become the person that God created you to be? Or does it pull you further away from that ideal? That's what you should be asking. Does this substantially improve my life in any way? And and to be honest with you, I'm I'm gonna answer for myself. I'm gonna answer as your pastor. I don't see how it could. I I just don't see how it would be beneficial, how the benefits would outweigh uh, the potential risks in this situation. I mean, look, let's be honest Intoxication is always unflattering. Nobody is their best self when they're their drunk self. Nobody is their best self when they're high. In fact, we often look at people who are like, just like, eh, forget it, all the inhibitions are gone and I'm gonna go after. We look at them kind of with pity and sadness. It's like, man, somebody should definitely take away their car keys. Somebody should cut them off. Like, this ain't real good. And so intoxication, I mean, it's not the most flattering thing. It's not the most helpful or beneficial thing. In fact, I would just argue that in many, many ways, it's harmful, not helpful. It'll pull you away from the person that God created you to be rather than moving you closer to the person that God wants you to be. I mean, look at your life goals. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to be? And then ask yourself the very real question, is marijuana get me, is it going to get me any closer to that? Does anybody in the room believe the best dads are stone dads? Probably not. Does anybody believe the best employees are the ones who periodically choose to lose control? Doubtful, right? And so if we ask this question, is it beneficial? And we're talking about just using it recreationally as a Christian. I just don't see how it could be. And despite the fact that like growing up, my friends always used to tell me, you know, when they were trying to convince me to join in with them, they're like, dude, bro, it only makes you happy, hungry, sleepy. Those are the only side effects. Happy, hungry, sleepy. How could you not say yes to that? Happy, hungry, sleepy. That's not totally true. We are discovering that there are side effects from long-term use. So I get that it's enticing, I get that, like, yeah, that'd be a little bit of fun. And if we did it in a very wise way, sure, we could have a good night. That's probably true. But is it helpful in making you into the person that God wants you to be? I'm not sure that it is. Last question, we're going to wrap this up. The final question is Is it, and you can fill in the it with anything you're curious about. Today we're talking about marijuana, is it enslaving? And when we ask, is it enslaving, we are asking the, is it addictive question? Yes, that's part of it. So if you have something in your life and it is genuinely addictive to you, then you might need to really give consideration about whether or not it should have any place in your life. Just a caution, okay? But we're asking more than that. When we say, is it enslaving, what we're asking is, does it cause me to give up control of my mind, my body, my speech, and my actions? Is it addictive or enslaving in that sense? And that's a very important question because there are lots of things in our world that you would say are not traditionally addictive, and I know a ton of men that are addicted to them. And I know a lot of ladies that feel like they can't do anything but take that pill or go to that place or go visit that person. Things that we wouldn't think are addictive turn out to be quite addictive in our life. This is an important question again because in Romans chapter number six, verse 16, the scripture says this, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God which leads to wise living. So look, I'll be the first to admit that marijuana is not chemically addictive in the same way that heroin is, but it is psychologically addictive. I know that firsthand. You can get very addicted to the feeling that it gives you. And not only that, but it clearly takes away control. It takes away your faculties. For whatever length of time you're intoxicated, then you are enslaved to the chemicals that you've put into your body. Now, yes, I know, because I've had these arguments before. You're like, but what about caffeine? Caffeine's a drug and you're enslaved to it. Yes, I get it. It's not the same thing. I know it raises questions like, okay, well, how high is too high? And how, you know, intoxicated does somebody have to be before it becomes a sin? Like, I understand that having any sort of standard will raise questions. But I'm not going to address those this morning, because I think it misses the forest For the individual trees. The point that I want you to walk out of here knowing this morning is that even the gifts of God can become sins of the flesh when they cause us to lose control. Even the good gifts of God, bro, it's an herb, God gave it to us. Even the gifts of God can become sins of the flesh when they cause us to lose control. That's true of people. They cause us to lose control. They're good gifts from God that have transitioned to sins in our our lives. That's true of substances. It's true of money. It's true of nearly everything. Even the good gifts of God can become sins of the flesh when they cause us to lose control. So where do we land on this? I mean, can a Christian get high? Sure, of course you can. You could go do what you want. It's totally legal, I'm not gonna stop you. God's not going to stop you. Unless you're an employee of Connect Church, by the way, we have them sign a document that says they won't partake. So unless you're one of my employees, you don't have to worry about it. You go do what you want I'm not gonna stop you. God is not gonna stop you. You could go do it. And I'll tell you, you're not gonna lose your relationship with God. If you decided, you're like, hey, you know what? It's no big deal, I'm gonna go ahead and do it. I think you sound a little bit like that Corinthian church we were talking about earlier, but that's okay. If you decided to do that, you're not gonna lose your relationship with God. Why? Because God's love is based on his character, not your behavior. Remember, we say that all the time. So doing something stupid doesn't mean that God's gonna write you off and you've got no place in his family anymore. But I will tell you, it'll compromise your closeness to the Father. I think it has the potential to ripple into some other areas of your life, your relationship with your spouse or your kids or your job or your health or whatever the case may be. And so rather than simply asking the what question this morning, what does the Bible say? What does God think about it? What should I do or not do? I want you to just end this morning by asking the why question. Just be honest with yourself. Why do I wanna get high? Why do I get drunk on the weekends? Why do I pull up the private browser? Why do I go spend when I know I don't have the money to do it? Why do I participate in all these vices? It may not be that they're bad, but our motivations for them are at least unhealthy and probably sinful. If you ask that why question, usually what it reveals is that we're all trying to escape from something. I mean, it's stress or it's difficult relationships, or it's a feeling of inadequacy that we've never really dealt with. And so pot or alcohol or whatever else becomes a very easy escape. But you remember we talked two weeks ago about how escapes are not really worth it because as soon as the escape is over, all of your problems are still there waiting for you. So the better thing for you to do would be to embrace the healing that God gives to you deep down in your soul that would allow you to say, you know what? I'm called more. I am called to more than simply spending my life chasing pleasure. As a follower of Jesus, I am called to invest my life in something real and good and beautiful and truthful and transformative. Something that I can't find in a pipe, something I can't find in a bottle, something I can't find on a website, something I can't find on a dinner plate. I am called to be embraced and accepted by God and then sent out by him to transform the world. Look at the verses that we started this off with, with all the information that we've talked about so far. With all that in mind, look at what this says. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Do you understand That our faith is not about religion, it's about relationship. It's not about rules, it is about reconnecting to our Heavenly Father. It says you are His dear children. And so because of that, live a life that's filled with love. Following the example of Christ, He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us. That was a pleasing thing to God. Let there be no immorality or impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Hey, whatever your vice of choice is, whatever you're tempted by, and listen, everybody in this theater is tempted by something. Whatever it is that tempts you, you can turn that over to God. You can ask him to fill the need in your life that you've been medicating with whatever that is. And I promise you, you can be free and whole and healthy in a way that you never thought possible. All you have to do is ask the father and he'll give it to you. The same way that he's given it to me and so many other people inside of the theater. I want to pray for you this morning. God, thank you for your word, which confronts desires in my own heart that are not helpful or healthy, things that'll pull me further away from you instead of drawing me close. And so God, I pray that we would look at this not as a set of regulations and rules and legalism, but God, as we ask the question, should we that God, we would make the wise decision, the one that is going to reflect you most to the world and not just feel the best for a few moments. I pray for every single person here this morning that's struggling in their relationship with you. For whatever reason, God, they feel far and distant. I pray they would know that they are your dear children and that Jesus offered himself so that they could be restored to you. And God, it isn't about rules and it isn't about appearing right, but God, you have made us brand new on the inside. And so I pray that we would live out that each and every day in every relationship, in every second that you give us. We praise you and thank you for your grace in our lives. And I ask God that we would each honor you. We pray this in your name. Amen.